battle by Johnson. Johnson is three-point territory, but guarded tightly. Johnson cuts left, now fires a three, and it's good, and he's fouled, it's tough, and he is fouled. Welcome back to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Obviously, took a little break in between Game 3 and Game 4, wrote an article about it. You can check it out on sportslanding.com, but we are back today. We're going to talk about, you know, briefly touch on Game 3 because that's a little bit in the past, and then obviously talk about last night. Joined again by Steven, now that you have your first show under the belt, how are you feeling about coming back? I feel very confident, very strong, um, beyond excited to be back, Phil. Well, I'm glad. It's not like you have a choice or anything. No, I do not. But anyway, so... Heading into game four last night, 3-0, Warriors were up, you know, game three, great game, probably the best game of the series so far. Um, We had LeBron and Kyrie go off, play extremely well. No one else on the Cavs really did that much. And they, you know, were in control for about 46, 47 minutes of the game. And then that last minute, we had Kevin Durant rip the heart out of everyone in that arena with that three. Uh, And then they got some defensive stops down at the end, including uh, Iguodala's block on James to end the game. So we were going into game four. Warriors were up 3-0. Previous podcast, I did say I expect the Warriors to win game three and the Cavs to win game four, and it came together. Um, I, I just didn't think LeBron can get swept, and we saw that last night, although... It wasn't 100% him. It was more Kyrie and the rest of the players around him. Kevin Love had a great game. J.R. Smith had a great game. Tristan Thompson had a great game. And they set a finals record. I believe they made 24 threes, 24 for 44. How can you stop that? That's ridiculous. And 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 what was your takeaway from Game 3 and Game 4? Uh, game 3, uh, as you said... Um... What the Cavs really needed to do there was stop the perimeter shooting and kind of contained it. Came out, came out real strong um, in Game Three, and um, what they and you know they ran with them for most of the game, and well, this sirens going outside, but um, they ran with them for most of the game, and then Kevin Durant said, uh, "I want my ring," pretty much, and uh, and then after he hit that heart-draining shot. Cavs had some poor turnovers. So, yeah, I I understand what you're saying. Um, But did you expect the game we saw last night out of the Cavaliers? Uh, Not to the extent that it was, but I definitely expected them to come out guns blazing, but not score anywhere near 86 points in the first half, Mm -hmm. nor hit 24 threes. Yeah, it was a great game by the Cavs. Everyone played great. I can't fault him for it, and I didn't, you know, I was prepared and ready for the Cavaliers to be swept, but, you know, my head was telling me that there's a couple more games left, and I, I said prior to the series starting that it was Warriors and six, and I had the belief that LeBron gives you a game, and that the other game is based off of your shooting or Kyrie or however you want to phrase the second game. Uh, and I think the scary thing is, last night we saw that second game. We didn't even see the LeBron game. Although LeBron did play very well, and you know when he does play well, it makes it a lot easier for those guys to be open and hit the shots. Um, but then the question begins to be, how consistent can they be? 
Can they keep the three-point shooting up? Can they keep the rebounding up? Can they keep forcing turnovers? Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk that I've seen, whether it was just between uh, my friends or other people on Twitter. Uh, they're officiating. And, yeah, it was terrible officiating on both sides. I think it was the normal finals officiating, though, is where the away team gets called for more ticky-tack calls and petty calls that you normally wouldn't see because you kind of want to let them play. And Cleveland got away with a little bit more. And just because of how much in the social media era that we are, uh, that it's accentuated. Uh, I know in the early 2000s with the Lakers and Kings, obviously we had the Tim Donaghy scandal. And even in 2006, there was a lot of fouls called in the Miami-Dallas uh, series. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to weigh itself out because Game 5 is going to be back in Oracle on Monday. I wouldn't be surprised if the Warriors closed it out um, because two games like that, but there is a lot of rest involved. So, you know, you can play LeBron that 44, 46 minutes, and he'll be able to come back and come out firing again. Uh, yeah. Um, I think Monday will be um, another close game. Uh, the Warriors are really gonna, really gonna try to end it. Especially, they're back in front of their home crowd. They just pretty much got embarrassed in Cleveland. So, I think um, I don't know if the Warriors closes out. Well, there's with both the previous series, neither team closed it out on their home court. They closed it out in the mm-hmm. opponent's court. But you know the Warriors have to be thinking, okay, well, if we drop two games in a row, that's a ton of momentum, and it's going back to Cleveland. Yeah. And it's not like we didn't see this last year. No, and if that does happen, then the media only hypes up even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and... There may be some doubt creeping into some of the Warriors' heads. Some PTSD flashbacks of the LeBron block. Iguodala's dunking now, man. He's not laying up any ball on a fast break. Mm-mm. But like you said, the media is going to creep in and how much it affects the players. I think they close it out on Monday night. I think they squash it. I think the officiating is going to be a little bit more on their side, as it always has been. Um, but... It's going to come down to the Warriors not being in foul trouble. It was a big thing with Game 4. in the first quarter with the Cavs. Yeah, and you know you see him get into foul trouble. Of course, there was the controversy with the technical fouls awarded to Draymond Green. I really think they should run the death lineup or something close to the death line of the majority of the game. I don't think Zaza should get any minutes. If anything, under 10. He's a liability. He looks like an oaf out there. I compared him to the hunchback of Notre Dame. Because he looks, he doesn't look like he does, he's designed to fit into that system. He's too slow. He doesn't shoot that well. I mean, he passes yeah. the ball decently. And but then his, co- his emotions end up getting the best of him in the game. Yeah, and he's committing way too many dumb fouls. And there's no reason for it. And if that means you have to play uh, Javal McGee extended minutes, David West extended minutes, hell, put Duran at center, let him play extended minutes there, force Cleveland to go small. as well. Yeah, and... I was talking about it. When they go small, it causes the floor to be spread so much. And if you're dragging Tristan Thompson to the perimeter, you know, you're not going to be inside. Yeah, you're not going to allow him to have so many rebounds. But an interesting take that I saw is, you know, Kevin Love, Kevin Love was six for eight. Mm-hmm. And then Tristan Thompson had a good game. So it seems like if Kevin Love is confident and he's shooting outside more and more and more and not getting as many rebounds, that Tristan Thompson does have that room in the paint. And that is a factor. 
I don't know how many it's a cause and effect thing or if it was just situational, but I really think Kevin Love has to have a great game here on out to allow Thompson to get these rebounds. But at the same time, is I don't think the Warriors are going to play another bad game like that. They didn't shoot well. I think they shot like 29% from three, which is about 10% less than what they normally shoot, <laughs> which is scary. And, you know, Clay was forcing some shots. But, you know, the Cavaliers, that may have been one of the single greatest offensive performances of all time at any any level, whether it's the finals or any other time in the playoffs or the regular season. That was, we are not going down without a fight. We are not dying. And even at the end of the game when Kyrie hit that dagger three, it's not over yet. Yeah, and when you when you're up when they're up 15 with three minutes to go, and you're like, all right, we have the Warriors just need five threes, and they're back in it. That's just showing how great of a team they are that you can't completely close the door yet. Mm-hmm. Um, well, even when they had what like a nine point lead in game three. Yeah, just like that. Well, yeah, when LeBron was off the floor, I think they said he was off the floor for a minute and 41 seconds, and the Cavs went negative 12 with him off the floor. But at the end of the game, the Cavs did score 11 straight points when he was on the floor. So it is a give and take. Obviously, they are a lot better with him on the floor. That's no question at all. Game five. Who is your X factor? Give me your give me your take. Um, I think game five, my X factor is going to be Steph Curry for the Warriors, mm-hmm. um, and probably Kyrie for the Cavs because. Kyrie's been scoring a lot these last. Kyrie scored what, thirty eight, game three, and forty last night. So, if Kyrie doesn't have a good game, you can kiss it goodbye pretty much, because mm-hmm. it's very hard to rely on Kyle Korver, who gets scared when he gets the ball and can't shoot, and or J.R. Smith, which J.R. Smith had a really good game last night, um, but if Kyrie doesn't show up then Cavs can say bye in five games. Because um, we already know LeBron's going to show up. Might put up another triple-double. Uh, Kevin Love hasn't been playing bad. He's been playing great. The other games, either. He had 20 rebounds first game. Mm-hmm. Like 17 points. Wasn't bad game two. At game three, even though he had nine points, he had 13 boards, and there was that possession where he had like three offensive rebounds in a row. He's playing yeah. well. He's Him and LeBron have been the most consistent players. I would agree with that. Yeah, Kyrie was in there game one, game two. As much as you want to say it. And at the game three, he had a very low basketball IQ moment when he waved off J.R. Smith for a screen and tried a one-on-one Clay Thompson. And he was already 0 for 7. That yeah. wasn't a smart play. No. And, you know, he's a very good point guard. He's unquestionably top 10. Top 5 is that next question. I think he'll be there in a couple years, but he's not right now. And moments like that is why he's not there yet because he did not have the presence of mind he kind of had that mamba mentality if you will of Mm -hmm. it's me against you i'm gonna iso dribble shoot a three in your face but guess what you're over seven dude there's some point where you have to take that screen and get a little bit more space clay thompson is not a chump he's one of the best on-ball defenders in the nba probably behind avery bradley and tony well not tony allen as much but definitely behind avery bradley but it's hard. It's hard to get that shot off. So for me, game five, my X factors are going to be Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson, you know, we saw that in game three. If he gets hot and he's getting his shots, 
Because Durant's going to score 30, like, mm-hmm. every game. I think he scored 30 in every game this series, and yeah, I, think I think he'll think so. be, he'll definitely be the finals MVP if the Warriors win. Now, if Klay Thompson gets hot, they're going to keep feeding him. And, you know, he had 24 points in the first half of Game 3, and it really helped them when the Warriors' offense was struggling, that they could just defer to him. And when Klay Thompson's your third-option deferral guy, you're doing pretty well for yourself. Um, as far as the Cavaliers go, my X factors are going to be J.R. Smith and Kyle Korver. They're not going to be playing in Cleveland. Role players typically play better at home, so this will be a true test for them on the road. If Kyle Korver and J.R. Smith can combine for 25 points, that is a ton for what the Cavaliers need. And as you said, if Kyrie doesn't play well, it's over. So my, my opinion with the X factor is... It's someone that's going to make a difference because I'm already expecting Kyrie and LeBron to score at least 30 to stay in this and make this huge comeback if they do. And I I will say if they do come back and they win this, because I'm not going to put it out of the cards. You can't put anything out of the cards. That's the beauty about sports. It's the beauty about basketball, really. Basketball has a large large parity in these kinds of situations because it's not luck. It's skill. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, if they came back from this, I, I would have to put LeBron in the conversation with Jordan. He came back from 3-0. No one had done it from 3-1. He already did that. And this team is absolutely loaded. We were about to crown them the best team of all time if they went 16-0, blah, 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 blah. I wouldn't go that far, but it is impressive nonetheless. They were had won 31 straight before last night. So, game five, I have the Warriors. They end it. 4-1. Warriors win an Oracle. It's over. What do you got? I'm going to say, just because I want to see the series go a little bit longer, I'm going to say Cavs in Game 5 by um, probably 10-plus, I would Because I think to say. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be uh, Game 6 in take. Cleveland if they do win okay. Game 5. Fair enough. Because I think that's... Do you think it goes it's 7? Tough. It's a with, tough decision. With, with, with the mentality, and even Tyron Lue said, the mentality of this team was is even better than last year's. And last year they came down, or they came back down three one. So if they even have a stronger mentality, which granted all tired of saying, but actions speak louder than words. I think it can go seven. Okay. I think if it goes seven, the Cavs win because there's no way you win three straight and you don't have that momentum and that over the other team. That's why I think the Warriors have to close it out here. Because I think it'll start to snowball, and that's not what they want. And they've been through that once, and they don't want to be through it again. I mean, what's going to happen? Are they going to sign Gordon Hayward in the offseason and add him and make it a five-man squad like this? It would be ridiculous. But moving on from the NBA Finals, there are a couple other topics I'd like to talk about. Yesterday, IOC committee announced that 3-on-3 basketball will now be part of the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. You know, we've never had this before. It's something that's been talked about for years, you know, having the full team volleyball and then the two-on-two volleyball. Someone said, okay, well, naturally, we should have a three-on-three competition, see how it goes. My question to you is, what do you think about it as someone that's, you know, grown up in this era of more ISO basketball, less passing the ball? Uh, Of course, the past couple years, you passed the ball more. What do you think of a three-on-three tournament being added to the Olympics? Um, I think it would be very exciting. Um... I think that it's good for the Olympics. Um, it's another event that will kind of excite the people about it. Um, and I think, obviously, the U.S. probably going to win it. Yeah. 
um, without any question. Uh, but I'm I'm interested to see who all is going to play in the U.S. Well, for, for the U.S. Well, if I think they have to first establish the rules of a three-on-three. Is it the 21? Is it twos and ones? Is it twos and threes? I think it'll be twos and ones. To uh, 21. Yeah, just because you'll get there too quickly if, say, you sent Curry, Durant, and Clay, and yeah. just said, you know, we're going to start shooting threes. Because if you send those three guys, they're going to hit seven threes quick. Okay, game over. That's not going to be good TV, and NBC's no. not going to want that. I think they'll do twos and ones, and... You know, I I want to I want to pitch this, and I don't know if we can come up with this right now on the spot, but it's definitely something to think about. What's the worst team they can send and still win the gold medal? Ooh, um, the worst team. What? Okay, the worst team they could. What send. if they send? Oh, okay. What if they send Andre Drummond? Um, boards all day though. Kyle Lowry. And. I mean, I'm still picking guys that. Are uh, fringe all stars here? You could probably go way worse. Can you send? Ah, man, this is this is an interesting conversation to go here, right? Can you send Kylo Quinn? Ooh. Um, pick another George Hill, and average average forward. Think about average forward. Um, I don't know. Luol Deng. Nah, Luol Deng's not American. Can't send him for the U.S. Oh, that's right. Get out of here. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to say Gordon. Gordon Hayward is almost first team All NBA. You can't yeah. really say that. Mm. Otto Porter. Can you send George Hill, oh. Otto Porter, and okay. Kylo Quinn, and can they win the gold medal? I don't know, man. France would be pretty decent. You got um, Gobert, Evan Fournier. Australia. Australia would be pretty good. Spain would be pretty good. You know, it depends because a lot of these teams are top heavy. Spain's a top heavy team. They're not that deep, but they're very good at the top. Uh, you know, Croatia will probably be good. Hey, Lativia can make a case. They got Chris Stapps and Bertans and some other guy that I don't know whose name it is. But it, it'll sure be an interesting competition. And like you said, how many people will go? Um, you know, can you only send three guys or do you have three and then a substitute? Mm-hmm. And then you have to figure out who you're going to sub for. Or if you're going to sub and play small or you're going to play big. So, so if it was... Uh, your pit, if you had to send three guys to guarantee from the US, a gold medal, to guarantee yes. a gold medal, I would send um, LeBron, Durant, and Kawhi because all three of them can play any position. All three of them can well, I, LeBron's gotten a better three point shot, but all three of them can shoot. All three of them can rebound. All three of them can pass. That's scary, man. If if you're any, I don't care who you, you could be, Chris Apps, you could be. What are the worst two players you can send with LeBron and win a gold medal in three-on-three? Three? Or do you not even send NBA players and you send the top college guys from America? What so, if you do so, that? so you send Lonzo, Jason Tatum, and Josh Jackson, Laurie. Uh, Laurie Markkinen is not American, Stephen. This is U.S. players. I am very ashamed. <laughs> yeah, man, it's. That's going to be the question. We'll obviously see what they have for age restrictions and whatnot. So kind of talking about college. The other thing I want to talk about is the one-and-done rule. Adam Silver came out last week and said, you know, we're going to be looking at this. We're not going to have, you know, probably the same rules. We're going to probably change it a little bit. And they're trying to promote the G League, which was formerly the D League, and they're talking about that. So there's a bunch of different scenarios that have come up, one of which saying, 
you know, if you go to college, do you have to play for at least two years? But if you come out of high school right away, do you have to go straight to the G League and play a year there? Earn some great minutes, still get paid on the rookie scale, still be a part of a team. But personally, I like the way baseball does it, um, where you can come out of high school or you have to play X amount of years in college. More than one, obviously. Whether that's two or three, that's going to be up to the NBA. I like that better because there's so many kids. We're seeing it now with Ben Simmons, uh, Terrence Ferguson this year, didn't even play. They're, they're literally up there saying, why am I here? I'm here to showcase myself. Well, you know what? It would be a better product for the NBA if they could showcase themselves in the basically farm system of the NBA, play against better talent than they're going to play against in college because there's guys that play in college that don't even make the D-League. They have to go over to Europe. And, you know, a lot of people saying these European players are coming in more ready. Who's the last European guy that got drafted that was super-duper good because he played in Europe? We don't have that many of them compared to all the players that we've drafted from America that have done well. I'm not saying America is better than the rest of the world, but it's not a thing to say that these guys are coming in more prepared. Obviously, you'd have to say Giannis and Gobert are probably one and two of the past you know, three, four years of foreign guys that have come in. You know, Chris Stapps is up there, but you know, notably, those two guys were guys that were picked later in the draft. And they still did well. Chris Tapps was a top five pick. You know, there hasn't been a foreign all-star before Giannis, I think, since the Gasols. Gasols did the same thing. They played in Spain and they came over. But that's been a while. That's very few cases. Then you can say, how many of these guys keep going? Yeah, and so I think that um, it'd be good if they had some similar to how major league baseball does it um because these guys are coming up and their bodies still aren't fully developed and then they're putting all this extra stress on them trying to do nba workouts and it's it's getting them hurt but if they're good enough to come out straight out of high school i think they should have the right if you're if you're a great artist Mm -hmm. do you have to go to an art school and go a certain number do you have to go to art school for a year and then go pro and then be a professional no, if you're in high school and you're good enough and you get noticed, you can start selling your stuff right away. It's it's, it's ridiculous that this is the only job that we can tell them, you have to go to college. You're not good enough yet. When obviously these kids are good enough. Um, now, one of the podcasts I like to listen to, Teed Up, which is part of the Ringer Network, um, Mark Titus had a very good suggestion. He said, all right. You have to play for at least two years, but if you play after your first year and you're on the All-American list, if you make the All-American team, you can go. So if, you're, if you go, you have a great year, you can leave. But if you're not on there, you got to stay. And it gives them incentives to play really well and to make sure their team succeeds because not very often do people make All-American lists when their team doesn't play well. Well, no, and LSU was not a very good team. They didn't make the tournament. Yeah. Neither did Washington this year with Markel Fultz. So, yeah, it's always a, it's always an argument you can make there. Yeah, for and that. Frank Mason, player of the year this past year for college basketball, he might not get drafted. And that's the other thing, is there's guys that are in college that are great college players. Three-point line's a little bit shorter. Game's not as hard as it is in the NBA, obviously. But, you know, college basketball for a long time, has been a feeder system to the NBA. 
And I think because the new TV deal has been done, that they're going to kind of stop that relationship or at least harm it significantly if you're letting kids come straight out. I know, I think Moses Malone was historically one of the first people ever to come out of high school and go straight to the NBA. And then there was a long gap. You didn't see too many guys doing it and succeeding. Yeah. Then you had Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant, Tracy McGrady. LeBron. Well, yeah, LeBron. Dwight. And, and there becomes a certain point, but that's the thing, though. We know those names. Yeah. There are so many kids that came out of high school, didn't do anything. They weren't ready yet, and it's true. Fawn Maker never played in college. He played minutes in the playoffs this year for the Bucks. There are case exceptions, and if you're good enough, yeah, I think you should go because you're making an embarrassment of the university and you're making an embarrassment of the college basketball system. You're just being exploited. You can't tell me that these kids aren't getting an education if they only have to play half a year. Hamadou Diallo, playing for Kentucky, he went back, but he had declared for the draft. He enrolled early in the spring just to get his quote-unquote year of eligibility, never played a single minute of NCAA basketball, and he could have gone into the draft and maybe gotten drafted later on. Now, if he wants to go back and guarantee a first-round spot, yeah, and that's the thing. You don't want to penalize guys for staying in too long, which is why I like the thing if you make the All-American. But you can't have all these loopholes and everything. You can't make it too difficult because then the average fan doesn't understand it as well. I think it should be a cut-and-dry thing. You can come out out of high school, or you have to play at least two years or three years, whatever you want it. But one-and-done doesn't work. And most guys that are one-and-done, they would go straight out of high school. And I think we'll see that change if that rule changes that. You know, there will be a couple years where we see a lot of kids trying to come straight out of high school to play in the league to get that paycheck because they think they're good enough. So before I keep rambling here and going off my edge of a cliff of a tangent, you have any final remarks on that or on the playoffs or whatnot, thank you again for being here. I think we're probably going to record at least one more uh, throughout this next week. In Canada. Week. Yes, sir. Um, I, I just think with the whole high school, college thing, it's, it's always going to be um, – there's always going to be some flack or some bounce back from it. Um, and no one's ever going to be happy because you can never please everybody. But I I do like what you propose with the American All-American thing. Not That's Mark Titus. I'm not taking credit for that. Thank you, Mark Titus, for that. Um, but going back to the playoffs, we already kind of put our piece on that. Um, I'm excited for Game 5. Really excited for it. Um, More basketball. We don't have to just wait between now and the draft. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it would be a sports um, a sports fan's dream for it to go to Game 7. Um, and I think either way, if it goes, if it, if it does go to Game 7 and LeBron still loses, that's still a hell of a credit to him. Yeah, it is. Um, I but, just don't, I don't like, you, you know, know, yeah, I don't like giving people... Too too much credit before they're done. Yeah. So I, because he he could win this year, right? He mm-hmm. wins and comes back. Yeah, that probably cements him in my mind as number two. I'm yeah. sorry, it cements him as number two. Yeah. Well, and because the he could, thing because he could play another ten years, and never win again, or yeah. play horrible or because whatever. Every player gets to the point in their career where they they take the drop off. Jordan had it when he came back with the Wizards. And and you but the thing is it varies by player and you don't know how far the drop off is going to be mm-hmm. to not have any severe injuries. Yeah. 
Um, he just took a vacation the two weeks to Miami. Yeah, and he's a cyborg. On, yeah, and on, on a different note with the three-on-three basketball, how cool would it be to see LeBron, Melo, and D. Wade, the three best friends, <laughs> team up for Team USA? Even though it's not nearly the best team. Hey, man, Melo's but, all about getting the medals, bro. That's he, he cares about that. So ain't got no more. rings. Hey, I know. Just It pains me. But, <laughs> yes, thank you for taping again. Thank you to our friends at Bull thank City you for Records having me. for our music. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. Leave a rating and review. It helps us a lot. Uh, and follow us on Twitter. We're still going to be – we're not doing any really sporting things in Canada, but uh, we went to Fenway Park yesterday. I did have some Beautiful park. That. Beautiful. America's oldest ballpark. I'm not calling it most beloved. I refuse. Yeah, but no. Uh, nevertheless, thank you for listening, and we're out.